very confused by how anybody finds Sexy Red A sexy and B a rapper. Yeah, it's red though, right? Like, you name one song she's rapped? Is it just because her hair's red? I don't understand. You know she rolls around with like a big stack of like hundreds in her, and, and that's her thing. That's like but, she goes to public outings with like stack bands as, as they're so called <laughs> bands. Bands, yeah. Racks on racks. Racks on racks. Yeah. Right. She goes out with racks in her hand. That's like a target. Now she, everyone knows. Every time you go out, that girl's got racks on racks and bands and all all the above. I don't get. That. You know she's not gonna last, right? Like she, she can't, right? No. 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 It's impossible. It's impossible. Well, once upon a time, not long ago, this was the number one financial literacy <laughs> podcast in the world. And now we talk about obscure rappers. Yeah. <laughs> that is my co-host, my partner in time, the one and only Saeed Omar. And that is my partner in crime, Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Mm, that's going to be a sexy one, especially because we have the man, the myth, the legend, DJ Arun, behind the ones and twos. Ah, oh, you did the same thing last time. What? Oh, that's your nickname. You're the you're the DJ, bro. No, I know that. I thought he was going to pronounce my name differently every time. No, no, oh. was, that was just for that particular episode. Relax, Harpoon. Yeah, I mean, there come you on. go. Thanks, Saeed. <laughs> Jesus, Got you, bro. Got you. <laughs> so many jokes. You know, the sad part is, is someone's going to take Harpoon, make it about a whale and like his weight, and they're going to come after you. Dude, and this guy he lost another five pounds this week. I know. Well, not technically, he gained some back. Yeah, but yeah. Right. He, he looks good. He looks great. He's doing amazing. I'm just saying, but. These haters gonna come for you in the DMs, bro. You know that's what happened when I, when I first started the show and we were joking the way that we do. Some of the listeners got real comfortable and started coming at me in my DMs with the same jokes. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on, we're not that close. God bless each and every <laughs> damn one of you guys. <laughs> Taking shots and sighting the DMs. Yeah, sending me screenshots. And I'm afterward. like, <laughs> I'm playing along too because I gotta lean into it. Ha ha ha! So funny. <laughs> Well, so we got a packed show tonight. Consumer price indices CPI is out. Mm. And it is Coco Sexy. PPI is out. And it is also, uh, how would I say, um, yeah, going the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Not what the Fed is looking for. So just for everyone out there, we'll dive into the numbers, but give you an overall picture of what it all means. My favorite page, the Kobayashi Letter, uh, my new favorite page on Twitter, uh, put out some interesting facts here I thought worth worth sharing. And I'll point out, I went down the rabbit hole on Twitter earlier uh, last night and earlier today, and there's a lot of people talking trash on a couple of the companies that, that I'm, I'm associated with. So, Oh, really? I just want you all to know that I seen shit. Oh, are we going to get into it? No, no, no. It's just <laughs> it's just trolls. And it's funny because one of them literally describes himself as a troll, but... Uh, it's always weird to Google yourself or a company mm. and find out what other people are looking at. Oh, okay. Like, so the number, so, so SEO, the way this works is you go to Google, right? And if there's two things that come up associated with like your name, for example, mm -hmm. those are common searched words with your name. Got it. My two most common searched words are my name podcast. Wow. Makes sense, okay. right? My name parents. And for any of y'all listening thinking that my, I came from money, no. Yeah, is, is that what you're trying to figure out? Yeah, no, absolutely right. not. How does SEO work exactly? I never fully understand Odun. Maybe that's something for Odun to dive into. The marketing guy. Hey, Harpoon. Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. Explain Explain to me, help me understand what SEO is and how it functions and how it could benefit everybody. Well, it just basically depends on your website that you have, um, keywords on there. The more people search a certain page or a certain keyword. So, for example, Chris Nahibi. Um, on the Higher Standard Podcast website. <clears throat> the more people search him, the more 
that page or podcast website will show up. Mm. And the more they click on it, the higher the algorithm will push it up. Mm. So okay. that's basically the 101 of how it works. The more you yeah. search a certain keyword, the more you click on the page, the more Google says, oh, this is relevant. Let's move it up. So, yeah, that, those are the two most relevant things, it looks like, with my name. So Got it. We're also going to talk a little about the dollar and how the PPI data that came out and the dovish Fed is impacting it. We'll move on from that to incomes falling in 17 states. Ouch. Talk about the housing market. Uh, a lot of bubble talk these days. Mm -hmm. Pop goes the weasel because the weasel goes pop, everybody. <laughs> You're feeling frisky today, aren't you? I mean, it's not 9 p.m., so <laughs> I know. that's a good start. <laughs> I've got another uh, Kobayashi letter uh, detail to go over. It's about auto loan interest rates. We're going to talk a little bit about our 77-year-old widow. We that have we, to make sure we get into this because we teased it on the last one. We teased it away, uh, and we don't want to be the guys who tease and don't provide. Right. You must tease and then provide. Right. Come through. Yes. The, yeah, promise. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, a little thing going on in the news. Um, <laughs> what is it? What's going around these days? What's trending? You know, I, I've, he I've heard some things, and I think there might be a small trial going on involving uh, FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. No. And uh, Carolyn Ellison, his uh, ex um, what, yeah, what lover. Do you, what do you call that? I don't, yeah, I'm not really sure what the nature of the relationship was, uh, but uh, his ex or whatever the hell she was has got some interesting things to say, so much so we're probably going to tease a little bit on this episode and we'll probably jump into a full down-and-dirty, nasty, X-rated, parental discretion advised There's no way we breakdown can't, we of can't not get into it. we we got to do that. It has to, yeah. So do you want to kick <clears throat> us off with a little bit of CPI from uh, CNBC? Consumer prices rose 0.4% in September. More than expected. More than expected. Yeah, the core CPI increased 0.3% on a month and 4.1% on a 12-month basis. So the reason why this report is so important because it's the last inflation report that the Fed's going to receive before their next meeting, which is in about two, two weeks, two and a half weeks, October 31st and November 1st. And we know that the Fed continues to say they're data dependent, mm. which, okay, as of right now, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, right, the the exchange that predicts what's going to happen with the Fed funds future rate, right? They're projecting right now 87% chance of no rate increase. And Bloomberg World Trade probability as of earlier today is about the same. About the same. So most likely not going to happen. Now we know that 12 of the FOMC members, which is the majority, predicted a one more rate increase by the end of the year. Or they foresee it happening. Okay? So that would mean that the meeting in December will likely be potentially another rate increase. But the Fed all along has said that we're data dependent. Well, my brother, mm. the data that's come out recently would signal that a, a rate increase would be required now. Between the jobs report that came out, that you know they heavily look at. So all I'm saying is what this is showcasing is it's not data dependent. It's predetermined. Well, I would say... It, they're not dependent on the data they were pointing to originally, but mm. I'll give the Fed a little bit of credence. Okay. There are some Fed presidents that have come out a lot more dovish since all of the Treasury started to rise. One of them being Neil Kashkari. Neil Kashkari recognized Jesus. Honestly, he decided to join the A-team. Yeah, he was like, fuck, I am wrong. Said and Chris are right. And Odun. Come on, he's part of the team. Why'd you bench him? I'm going to be honest. <laughs> We've asked him to speak up a little bit. 
and I'm not getting it. See, I knew here's the thing. I knew what SEO was, but I wanted to get him some action because I want to eventually get him here on the seat one episode. While you're sitting in it. In yeah. Your lap? Uh, on my yeah, lap. He, he did point to his lap. Yeah, he you did, right? That, right, yeah. here. right here. <laughs> wow, he put some sauce on the end of the here, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're okay sitting in the seat and it's it's rated, well, you can sit on the, this table right here in, the, I mean, in between us. We can both rub each thigh. Is that where we're gonna have the guests sit? <laughs> have Larry come back and sit in the middle? <laughs> no, sorry. Some invitations okay, don't come around a second time. Oh wow, it's salty, huh? A little bit. And that's why you were salty in the last podcast. I was the salt bay. Oh, yeah. I was salt bay a I little bit. That in there, you did drop that. Well. Uh, PPI looks just as ugly as CPI, and to, to Saeed's point, uh, September PPI inflation unexpectedly rises to 2.2% above expectations of 1.6%. Mm-hmm. This, according to the Kobayashi letter, the Twitter now X page, which will be linked in the show notes, core PPI inflation rose to 2.7% above expectations of a whopping 2.3%. Yeah. This is the first jump in core PPI since April of 2022. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. what we know about PPI is that it's a precursor for the next CPI report, right? Because this is the price for uh, wholesalers, right? And, and to your point, PPI is now up three consecutive months, which should have alluded to us last month that CPI this month would right. be up. So, um, Odin, could you do me a favor, please? I put in our show notes a chart of CPI. Um, if you could pull that up, there's two. The first one on top first. This is the headline figure. Okay, um, so this includes food and energy. <clears throat> if you put it on the screen, please. You can see that in June of last year, where it was at its peak, of, that was at when it was at 9.1%. It was coming down, right? But look what's, look what's happened over the course of the last three, four months. Mm -hmm. It's slowly starting to creep back up. And I'm not saying it's going to go back up, but this is the Fed's concern, right? This is the reason why they keep saying we're going to hold for longer. Because and it's also the reason why we told people that in order for us to hit the target of 2 to 3% rate, rent and rent equivalent need to go down. Right. And they did come down this last month very slightly. It went from 7.3% last month to 7.2% this month. Now, this, is, it, this takes a long time. And we know this takes a long time because it operates off of existing contracts. The highest contributor to inflation CPI as of right now? Yeah. Rent. Yeah, rent, exactly. So, But if you take a look at this, we know that the Fed doesn't like to look at the headline inflation figure. They actually like it. look at core inflation, which strips out food and energy. So if you could pull up the next one, please, the one right beneath it. So this one, on a, on a, definitely still on a downward trend. It take, it's a little bit more of a gradual process, mm -hmm. right, but still headed in the right direction. So this one, this one came down from last month, so... You know that's positive sign for the Fed. So, so th this something, morning, some, something when that I was they could to work. Yeah, this was a topic of my conversation. Oh, okay. Uh, that, and I was talking to a couple of bankers that I know pretty well that follow the same results that we do, and they were like, "Look, we're not worried that the Fed's going to move because we can see that core, the core price index, core inflation, is still heading down, and we knew that CPI because the PPI print last the last three months." Because you knew what oil prices were going to look like. Mm -hmm. They knew CPI was going to inch up slightly. So they feel like the Fed is going to be happy with core inflation. Yeah. So core inflation is actually is going to continue to look better. You know, the headline figure, though, is actually going to, not going to look so sexy in the upcoming months. Because the real benefit that the headline figure had been receiving 
um, for, over the course of the last couple months has been through energy. Okay, and oil prices, with oil prices going up now, they're not going to get that same benefit anymore. Okay, so that that's going to be a major cause of concern, which is ultimately going to cause this whole situation to get sticky because we know it doesn't just affect that subsection of food and energy. It impacts all the different sections. Now, the key uh, component of the report that I thought was um, that's really important, and not just to us, but the Fed, is services inflation. That only ticked down a little bit. And that's the, that's the part that the Fed is most concerned about. They're concerned about unemployment figures. They're concerned about wage growth. And they want to make sure that stays stagnant, if at, if at all, or to hopefully come down. Because mm-hmm. that will ultimately help them get to their target range of 2%. Well, Arun, let's scroll to the next article uh, after the Kobayashi letter there. The dollar steady on underlying moderate PPI data, dovish Fed officials. And I thought this was a great way to start with the data that we provided, diving into this. When I want to get to the housing market, and I want to get to what we just spoke about, rent and rent equivalent and a possible real estate boom. I know so many people, probably the number one question we get, mm-hmm. when is it time to buy a home? When are home values going to come down? We're going to address some of that speculation tonight. The dollar dipped broadly on Wednesday, tracking a slide in U.S. Treasury yields weighed down by dovish Federal Reserve comments as traders looked to the central bank's policy meeting minutes out later in the day for clues on its interest rate outlook. A slew of Fed officials have signaled in recent days that the U.S. central bank may not need to tighten monetary policy much further than initially thought. Atlanta Fed Bank President Raphael Bostic. Or Bostick. Bostick. Is it Bostick? It's got to be Bostick. I feel like Bostick might be the way to go. It sounds sexier. Okay. Anyway, like boss tick. Anyway. <laughs> there you go. Said Tuesday, the central bank did not need to raise borrowing costs any further. And Minneapolis Fed President Neil Alopecia Kashkari followed with similar remarks later in the day. This after he broke the news that both he and Will Smith had been broken up since... 2016? <laughs> oh, shit. Dude, this guy, my wife texted me. This is how I find out the news. When she texts me, she goes, I can't, I'm over him. I'm like, over who? Who are we, who are we talking about here? Wow. Right? And she goes, Will. I was like. It's not Will's fault. I honestly, I'm a firm believer that Will has made some bad choices. I believe Jada is the wrong person for him, and she is dragging his ass down with him. But whatever. they've been separated for seven years, man. Yeah. And whatever spell she's got on him, it's, he's a grown-ass man. It's his own fault. But whatever, whatever is drawing him in is keeping him there. Let me tell you right now, man, like you're, you used to be the headline movie star in the world. Right. You are, a, up until the slap and maybe even just before that, it was some questionable movie choices. You were the A-list actor. Oh. Right? Okay. He could have any woman he wants in the world. In the world. Pretty close. He could have a room. Can't have my wife. <laughs> well, I mean, we're going to blows, bro. Let's, let's let's be classy. Okay. Any single woman that found him attractive, he could probably got it. He could probably land. All right. That okay. being said, this whole thing is weird. Yeah, it's very very odd, and it, it make because look, the image that was kind of being painted by for him and his family kind of felt like, okay, there's this progressive family that they all look, they work out their problems, they air in front of everyone. There, it's. It, I don't know. It was he looked like such a family man. That was part of his image, right? But then for seven years, you've kept the fact that you were separated. So Why? It makes Why you not think tell everybody? You, you you want to put some tinfoil hats on? Oh, I've heard a lot about the conspiracies. No, not just not just his conspiracies, but like there's now 
conspiracy theories coming out over like a lot of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, do tell. Sure. Okay, so tinfoil hats are on, right? Arun, you're supposed to be pop culture, just for the record. He's okay. doing your job now. No, no. So you hear the, so the, the Taylor Swift controversies, right? You hear about this? So in the past, apparently, what used to happen is if you— No, I heard about all this. Man, I what? thought you were talking about— with, I gotta... with Will? With Will. No, I'm just saying it's not that far-fetched to believe that, okay, someone like Will would, would cover this up, him being separated— because this is a very common thing in Hollywood now. No, Share okay. the Taylor Swift. Yeah, ta- the Taylor Swift thing. So basically, when you used to search Taylor Swift and jet yes. or jets, it came up with her flying a private jet all around the world and being a massive hypocrite for environmental purposes. Right, because the, the the ongoing theme is you know celebrities need to attach themselves to some type of cause, mm-hmm. right? And the the easiest low hanging fruit one is you know climate change, yep. right? And you know Leonardo DiCaprio gets blasted for the same thing and. Now it's like Taylor Swift, right? Well, the ongoing theme is, well, did you only date Kelsey so that now, because he was playing the Jets, if you were to Google Taylor Swift jet, her picture pops up at the Jets game. Mm -hmm. Not not, her flying a private jet around the world. Right, not her flying. So now it's like, let's see how long y'all keep dating. Which ties back into the SEO from earlier in the show. Right. Basically, they manipulated SEO by putting enough content and media in the algorithms. The algorithm picks that up and ignores all the environmental stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Man. So there there are, have been similar theories about Will Smith that he's a swinger, that they're both swingers, that he's into men, that there's all sorts of reasons. They have like that an open relationship. They have an open relationship. There's been all sorts of these theories over the years. And honestly, the more and more detail comes out, the more and more you're like, maybe one of these is true because why else, if not for Hollywood and your public image, would you not tell anybody you separated from your wife seven years ago? And they, do they still live together? I don't know. That's the, That's the problem. I don't know. Like y'all can afford to move out. But then I just feel bad. What I always eventually focus on the kids. I'm like, man, you guys are living this life from the kids. How you justify how do you justify this to your kids? Like I, I don't know his kids and but I would say they seem well enough, right? I mean, we don't know. Come on, man. Jaden's got a music career, although his acting career didn't do so well. I mean, his, just because you have a career doesn't Willow's mean Willow's talented as shit. You've seen her at concerts. But just because you have a career doesn't mean you're mentally stable. Yeah, I mean, look no further than Robin Williams, bro. That's that's, that's too close to home. I know man. it hurts. I love, I love it hurts him. every time you think every about time it. I think about that guy, that, his death. I I get sad. You know what I mean? I don't want what. How are we gonna segue off that? Bring back Robin. Why did I do that? Why did I do that right now? Fuck the whole show up. Oh God damn! I went from Neil Alopecia Kashkari to <laughs> Robin Williams' death. <laughs> now we are all sad and shit. <laughs> Rune, you got anything sexy to say? Give me something positive, please. No oh, man. Fuck. Robin Williams hit me hard. Genie, right? <sighs> Fuck. What's your favorite favorite Robin Williams movie? Go. Hook. Hook was it when I was a kid. Mrs. Doubtfire was it for a little bit of time just because it was whimsical. Long period of time for me. But yeah. Hook is hard to ignore. Mm. Hook was the real Peter Pan. Everything else has come out since then. I mean, come on. Who, how are you going to do Rufio like that? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Rufio. Rufio. And then his whole acting career died afterward. Now he, <laughs> now he, <laughs> what, about, what, about, uh, what about the movie he did with Matt Damon? Oh, uh, Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting. That was a great. That was a great movie too. It was a great movie. It was. It was emotional. I think when it came out, I was too young to appreciate. I am. I'm old enough now, obviously. Patch Adams. Patch Adams. I wasn't a huge fan of. It got me what? crying like a little girl. Oh yeah. But it. it, it I didn't think it was his best work. Mm. Yeah. I thought. I thought his best work was him in comedy form. Yeah. Flubber. Flub. Flubber. <laughs> that was, I think the, the show. Little, green, <laughs> the little green things you put on your shoes. To... You bounce everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh man. All, All right. right. Okay. Let's let's get back on track. Jesus. <laughs> now that Christ. it's off Everybody's, the rails. Yeah. Way off the rails. 
So basically now you got the dollar dipping. You got the, the U.S. Treasury yields trying to stabilize. If you remember from the last show that we did on Treasuries, which it was 184 or 183? Uh, treasuries, uh, 182, I believe. Okay, well, Two episodes ago. Yeah. It's, it's a whole episode on Treasuries, effectively. We talked a lot about how the Treasuries tend to spike up and they t t tend to settle down afterwards. So they mm -hmm. spiked up almost to 5%. Now they're down to about 4.7% the 10 year, that is. Mm -hmm. So that's all kind of freaking the Fed out. And now you got two of the most hawkish getting uh, a Fed presidents getting somewhat dovish and being very, you know, laissez faire about their remarks from previous minutes. So let's go down to the next meet, the next article, Arun. Right. So, but when like the reason why this is kind of was kind of an issue, right? The dollar dipping. Typically what happens during a quantitative tightening process, right, is when there's less supply of, of the U.S. dollar, the value is not supposed to stay up or go up. That's technically what's supposed to happen. For it to dip, that's it's actually working in the opposite direction. There's a lot of things that are working in opposite directions right now, and I think that there, there's an underlying consumer sentiment here. So if you're one of the listeners that go to the show and go, okay, Chris, Saeed, Arun, it's all well and good. Thanks for the mechanisms behind things, but my fucking life is getting real tight. Yeah. Financially... Shit's getting a lot more complicated. You know, I'm having to choose things. I got to pay student loans again. Mm. My lifestyle is in, in, in all sorts of a, a frustrating position financially. Am I alone? And the answer is no. As a matter of fact, according to this article from CNBC News, sorry, CBS News, I'm so used to quoting CNBC and everything. Mm -hmm. Incomes are falling in 17 states. Here's where Americans are falling furthest behind. <clears throat> Bear with me while I read this one. I think it'll be worth the read. Americans are feeling gloomy about the economy. I'm just watching you drink your beverage. I so, thought you were waiting for me to say something. I was like, "No, nah, that <laughs> is very commercial." Like the way you just like you tipped like it that? back, and it was very Coke Zero. Yeah, you got into it. Sponsored by all the uh, aspartame. You have peptides in that from Transcend, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With more than half the respondents to a recent CBS News poll saying they're struggling to pay the bills, the reasons for that pessimism are clear. Not only has inflation chewed into their paycheck, but many people are also earning less. With census data showing that median household incomes dropped one third in one third of the U.S. states last year. So not only is inflation biting into the to how much they can actually buy, they're buying power, mm -hmm. but they're physically making less. And some of this I will attribute to to working working from home, people moving to, to different states, and choosing to take a little bit less pay but having a little bit more flexibility because inflation wasn't so bad. You choose to make a little bit less. Well, now one-third of, of Americans, uh, I'm sorry, one-third of the states in the United States, Americans make less. Mm -hmm. So many of those 17 states where the households um, lost economic ground are clustered in the Midwest and Northeast, including electoral swing states such as Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, according to recent data from the U.S. Census Bureau. And I'm going to tell you why that's important in a minute. Across 29 states, incomes didn't change enough to be statistically significant, but that, I will point out, is not a good thing either because they didn't change enough to be statistically significant. That means they did not keep up with inflation. They are still net-net negative right, and that's, when you account for that. Right, and that's something that I was going to get into um, after this. Well, uh, across 29 states, they didn't, they weren't statistically... I can't say the word statistically consistent. I can never mm -hmm. say that word well. Statistically. statistically. It just... Anyway, while residents in only five states saw their incomes improve enough to be measurable, the data shows only five states Insane, man. had income improve enough to be measurable. Now, walking into an election, knowing that Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania are swing states, you know unequivocally you're going to hear leading up to November of 24, recession, bad, 
Mm-hmm. Biden administration did this. No, Trump administration did this. You're going to hear the back and forth. You're going to hear about the wars. You're going to hear about the Ukraine situation, Israel, Hamas. You're going to hear about all this stuff, okay? And then to layer all that in, they're going to take advantage of the fact that they know Americans in swing states are hurting financially. And this is going to be all in front of you and all mm-hmm. all in your face. Good and point. It's, it's something to be cognizant of because when you get your news and your news is combined with some kind of political rhetoric, you've got to be very, very careful about what's being spun because sometimes the data is accurate, but it's being spun in a way to get you to vote for a political party. Right. <clears throat> so at last episode, we went over the jobs report and how uh, they added non-farm payrolls added over 336,000 jobs. But deep in that report also, they what they get into is the average hourly earnings, if that goes up or down meaning if people are getting raises or not, right? And that was going up at a rate of 4.2%, okay? We just went over the CPI inflation report, right? The headline figure was 3.7%, but core inflation was 4.1%. So your average hourly earnings are going up 4. Point, what did I say? 4.2%, and it's, stay, it's keeping in line with inflation. But for the greater part of this year, it had not been. Remember, inflation was significantly higher, right? So your buying power wasn't there. The fear is what what's going to happen, and the New York Fed actually conducted a survey, right? It's called the Microeconomic Survey that, that was just released. And basically what it does is they, they survey people and what they, how they feel uh, uh, what's going to happen over the course of the next 12 months, right? And basically what came out of that was people estimated that they were going to get pay increases of 3%, which is pretty standard, a pretty standard increase, would you say, right? Um and, but what they also predicted was that inflation was going to stay up at around five percent. So what does that what does that mean? You're you're no you're not going to be earning enough to keep up with inflation. You're losing buying power. So that that's the scary part with inflation that you need you ultimately need earnings to go up. And within a recession around the corner, and you already know that the Fed's unemployment target rate for next year, not forget this year. At the end of this year, they're predicting four point one percent. Right couple more 100,000 jobs that'll be gone by the end of the year. But by the end of next year, they predict for it to be higher, right? It'll be 4.7%. And we have routinely said on the show that unemployment peaks after a recession has been declared over. So what does that, what does that mean? That your buying power is going to continue to go down and it, it's not going to be a good scenario. So the important thing for everybody right now is to, you know, learn this. Prepare yourself as best you can so that you're ready for that. And I, I will point out, I, I, I am still steadfast on our original prediction that the National Bureau of Economic Research will come out and they'll look at the January 1st of 2022 through uh, June 30th of 2022 and say that we had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. And they're going to say that we had a prolonged recession which started in January 1 of 2022. And I think... If, you, if, if you've seen any of the charts that we've presented on the show, if you're not following us on YouTube, you owe yourself that courtesy to get the visual along with the sexy sounds. How do they the do that? Audio. How do they do that? You go to YouTube, type in the Higher Standard Podcast, or mm-hmm. you can go to any one of our social channels, and there's a link there to it. Then you hit the subscribe button, mm-hmm. slap the shit out of that bell, mm-hmm. get your notifications on, and then you make friendly, sexy comments to us. Yeah. But uh, you also get the added benefit of getting a visual stimulus. Mm-hmm. Not that we are attractive, because we're not. That's uh, the reason why we wear nice shoes. Uh, yeah, one of us, anyway. These shoes are all torn up. But um, you get things like the charts. 
the charts that we've shown on many, many, many shows show usually statistical lines going up and down. See, I struggle with that word every time. Mm -hmm. But you typically get recessionary economies expressed as gray areas on these charts, right? And I would say some recessions are wider gray areas because it lasted longer. I truly believe the one that we're in now that is yet to be declared, granted, I understand, and I know that you've heard a lot in the news from sources saying, hey, you know, we're going to hit a recession by 24. We're going to hit a recession this year. They're all speculating. The National Bureau of Economic Research, I truly believe, will come out and say January 1, 2022, we've been in a recession. This is going to be one of the longer, wider recessions that we've experienced in probably modern history. Right. So that that's my speculation. That is, that, and I, you're 100% right with that. It's something that I think gets lost on a lot of people that – you know, aren't into this space like we are where we're constantly reading articles not only for the show but for work, mm -hmm. is that when the Fed is tr does in fact raise interest rates, what are they trying to accomplish? They're trying to slow down the economy. They are attempting to slow down the economy. Yeah. That is their goal at the end of the day. The natural and probable consequence of them doing that is typically a recession. Yes. And typically... Lower home values, mm -hmm. lower stock market values. And keep in mind, we still have not heard from them that they are done raising rates. Yeah. That has not been declared yet. So um, everyone's still waiting on that. Well, and they're also waiting on home prices. According to CNN Business, the housing market looks like a bubble, a 2008 regulator says, but not just any 2008 regulator. The median home price of an existing home stood at just $278,200 in August of 2019. According to the National Association of Realtors, that figure has since spiked to $407,100 as of August of 2023. That's a big jump from $278,200 to $407,100. Yeah, man. Talk about a bubble. That's yeah. a classic supply and demand imbalance. Blair mm -hmm. told CNN in a phone interview. Have any idea of which Blair I'm talking about? Sheila Blair. I think it's Bear. Bear. Sheila Bear. Sorry. Yeah. Who had a front row seat to this whole subprime mortgage meltdown, by the way. Uh, she served as a federal regulator in the mid-2000s housing bubble when it popped, nearly taking down the entire financial system, said home prices today are, quote, bubbly from years of rock-bottom mortgage rates. I mean, none of this is rocket science. We all know that. Yeah. But her perspective is interesting. The good news is that Bear does not see a report, a repeat of the busting of the mid-2000 housing bubble, which set the stage for the Great Recession. That's in part because a typical homeowner today has more equity in their homes than a homeowner during that time. Only 1.1 million homes, or 2% of all mortgage properties, owed more on their mortgages than their home was worth in September, according to CoreLogic. That's a small number compared to the share of properties underwater during the subprime mortgage crisis, which topped out at 26% in the fourth quarter of 2009, according to CoreLogic's equity analysis, which began in the third quarter of 2009. So think about that, right? Only 2% of all homes, and what, what, that, what that said is the amount of money they owe being more than the value of their home. Only 2%. That's not enough units to come online and... People aren't going to just be willing to walk away, right? But they're not going to—they're not going to have to walk away. Here's what I'll tell you: it comes up. Okay. I, I'm more certain about this now than ever before. A lot of people said, "Chris, the supply and demand issue. If there's not enough sales, then you can't get value to go down." 
And if values aren't going down because there's not enough sales, there's not enough inventory in the market, what's going to drive people to sell their property and get out of these mortgage rates? And I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. It's getting really, really hard to get things like a home equity line of credit. It's very, very difficult because there's a credit tightening cycle happening right now. Used to used to be you can buy, you can get go get investment property loans, and there are all sorts of different hybrid loans out there. And those are going farther and farther away, if not non-existent in some circumstances. As this credit tightening cycle starts, you're going to need cash out of your property. You're going to want to get a second trust deed. Banks aren't going to want to give you one. So let me ask you a question real quick just to backtrack on the. So we know that um, credit tightening has begun for banks, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's becoming more and more difficult uh, to, you know, get one of those home equity lines of credit to maybe tap into your equity mm-hmm. to pay off some of your debts. Because most people want to keep their first trustee, their, their first loan at a low interest rate, call it sub 4%. Right. And they're like, okay, well, I'll get a home equity line of credit and I'll use that because I've got this historic high household payments. I've got this historic high auto loans and we'll get into auto loans later on. I've got, you know, all this this debt that I'm being, you know, surrounded by. And I was counting on my student loans being, being completely forgiven and they're not. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a situation where I need to tap something for money. My savings has been depleted because I've got all this debt. Right. Where do I go? The one place that all Americans apparently can go, if you listen to Miss Bear here, and that's the equity in their home. Right. And that's what the CEO of Apollo said, that people are going to be tapping into their to their equity. So what is something that the banks are doing? What are some of the guidelines you think that they're doing to make it harder? Are they just saying we're not taking applications right now? Or is it that, no, no, the qualifying process is even more strict? So it, it's a twofold effect. Uh, part number one is simple. We talked about it already. If people have more debt and their incomes have not grown with inflation, that means their debt to income ratio is getting higher in the debt side and lower on the income side, which means it's just in and of itself going to be harder for you to qualify for loans because your cash flow is more constrained. You've just got more debt. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second part about it is, is the banks are going to start making their requirements a little bit more strict. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, hey, I need to see proof of this and proof of that. I need to see extra income. And one of the things, it's a classic and old cliche rule in banking is when you need a loan, you can't get one. Mm-hmm. And when you don't need one, you can get one. Right. And the sad part is there's some truth in that, that when, to qualify for a loan, you need to have good, a good financial position. And if you're in a good financial position, a lot of people would say, well, I don't need a loan then. Right. That's the whole point. Um, so without being... Too technical, what I'll say is this, is banks are going to make their their requirements for debt-to-income a little bit more strict. They're going to make their requirements for extra liquidity on hand a little more strict. They're going to keep their loan-to-value, their maximum amount they'll give you in leverage on your property a little bit lower so that they have more cushion in the event that values do go down. And all those things mean it's going to be very, very difficult to get a home equity line of credit because now you got to qualify with all these factors in place. But and mostly they all everybody wants to keep their first their low first trustee loan, right? Well, what if like what happened during the Great Recession happens now where you just can't get a home equity loan of credit line of credit anymore? Or what if the interest rate in that's like twenty percent? Mm. People are gonna start having to refinance their first, but when you refinance your first and you're doubling, if not more than doubling your interest rate, can you still qualify for that property? Probably not. Probably not. Then you go, okay, well, I can't get a home equity line of credit, and even if I do, I'm not gonna qualify for it. I can't qualify to refinance my property. There's only one option left, mm. and that's to sell. Yep. And that's how the market turns. Whenever it does. It's impossible to predict. That is the million-dollar question, right, when it, in fact, is going to happen. But um, it eventually will. 
I think I think a correction of we still even though it did already at one point in time correct ten to fifteen percent I think it corrected up to eleven to twelve percent mm-hmm. but it has since picked back up I do I do think that it does correct itself again to another ten to fifteen percent you wanna ooh, how do I how do I phrase this without committing us to something I would like to give you a hypothetical scenario that we can all be vigilant of all right and if you see this happening I will say the probability is very high that you're going to see the scenario I laid out with homes happen very quickly thereafter. Okay. The stock market. If the stock market dives 10 to 15%, heading towards a 20% correction territory. Which our boy Jamie Dimon said was going to happen. And I truly believe you got an earnings recession coming. Mm-hmm. When that happens, now people are going to be freaked out because their 401ks are going to go down. Mm-hmm. Anybody who had money in the market, and we know the majority of Americans do not have money in the market, that's going to be the catalyst for the last possible thing that people can tap into besides their equity. That's when home values start getting dinged as people try to sell off. And the people who act first to try to sell their property are probably going to get treated the best because guess what? You take a small price deduction to motivate somebody to come buy your house. But that's where it starts. It's where it starts. Right. And then now you got to compete with somebody else to get a deduction. You take a little farther deduction and then mm-hmm. it winds up being a full-on buyer's market. And, and it could really bring values down. And I, I do expect to see values come down. I'm not as dovish as, as some of this analysis from, from Bear suggested that we wouldn't see the same type of correction. I don't know that we'll see a, a huge housing foreclosure no, no. situation, but I do think you're going to see a, a volume of supply in the market pick up pretty, pretty significantly. Yeah, because what happened in 2008, right, 2.9 million homes came online. Yeah. Right. So many people were defaulting at that point. So um, it would take something astronomical that we haven't been able to see. Right. Um, That would be the catalyst to this for something like that to happen. Um, Like unemployment, because we know that the lag effects truly haven't shown themselves yet. Right. So far with the rising of interest rates, it initially uh, hurt the financial system. It, It affected, you know, the tech sector. Right. We've we saw those layoffs, but it takes time for it to work itself through into all the different sectors. Yeah, it, it yeah. really does. And it's it's um, I, I look at this as a, as a rolling recession still. I think that was one of the things we talked about a while back. I think that's what we're in. I think that's what we've been in for a long time mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to roll. I don't think it's going to have one big widely understood recession. I think it's just going to impact different sectors until we either have a full-blown, like, visible recession, mm-hmm. or that's just the way it's going to be. And either, they're both cases. They're still a recession. And that's and that's why you see the unemployment rate being projected at 4.7% by the end of next year, where currently it's only sitting at 3.8%. Right. So, and I, I know you're thinking, okay, well, Chris, this is just, you know, Selma's conversation, and maybe she's jaded from the Great Recession. There's a lot of people out there who are broken clocks. They're right twice a day, Peter Schiff being one of them. Well, Goldman Sachs, according to the Insider, says home prices are now more unaffordable for the average buyer than they were during the 2008 housing bubble. Mm-hmm. Here are two things they say would have to happen for home prices to crash. I mean, crash? It's a hypothetical. Yeah. So, according to a new analysis from Goldman Sachs, current housing costs include home values and mortgage rates are even more detached from income levels than they ever were from 2004 to 2008 meaning affordability, if you read between the lines, when the U.S. housing prices surged before ultimately collapsing by more than 25%. And again, a crash is defined as anything with a change greater than or equal to 20%. Right. 
Affordability for the incremental buyer is worse than it was at the peak in 2006 before the crash, says Lofty Karai, Goldman's chief credit strategist, in a note to clients on Tuesday. The bank defines an affordability price, I'm sorry, an affordable price, as what would equate to a buyer spending 25% of their monthly income on a 30-year mortgage payment after a 15% initial down payment. So a pretty fair a pretty fair approximation of affordability. And I have mind. a I have a breakdown here for you after you finish reading this. There's a chart which we can share, but uh, I think we'll go to Saeed's breakdown uh, below, which shows that uh, shows that prices and rates have continued to climb. Incomes have not kept up with the same price, meaning that what would be affordable price is well below where costs really are. And uh, I well, let's get the chart because we've done enough about this income and affordability disparity on a number of occasions. Mm -hmm. What was your ad? It was just just to you know provide somebody like some context here because you know you want your mortgage payment to not take up the bulk of your income, right? You still there's expenses that you need to account for, you know, even some expenses that you haven't even foreseen yet, like especially if you're starting a family and you plan on having kids, things like daycare. These things are expensive, right? Uh, if you if maybe your cars are paid off, and you're going to buy a new car. So that's why they, they project affordability to be somewhere, you know, your payment be somewhere within 25% of your income. Earlier, you had mentioned that the median household price of a home or value of a home, $407,100, okay? Right now, if you put 15% down and you get a, a loan at 8% rate, your payment is $2,500. Mm. That is approximately $121,000 annual salary. That is not... The average salary for a person in the United States. That's double. The a, it's double. Yeah. Exactly. The average salary for someone in the United States, $60,000. Yeah. Double. So you know what that would mean? That would mean that they, if you do the math, it would mean they would need a mortgage payment of uh, $1,250 a month, $1,250 a month. That's what you need your mortgage payment to be. You know what that gets you? A house just shy of two hundred grand. Not a lot of places left in the United States where that's, that's an, a possibility. You know, especially if you live in places like... California, forget about it, dude. You know, and that's sad because you're you're almost being forced to move away from your families. You know what I mean? Just to start, you know, a home and build memories somewhere else. And look, it goes to show you that that the affordability. I mean, we've highlighted this so much. That's why I thought the chart wasn't worthwhile. It's clear that income is not kept up with home prices. Everybody listening to the show knows that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just what it is. But you start. We put so much weight into what we hear economists say. We put so much weight into what some of these articles say. And I'll be the first to admit, like, look, we talk about these articles all the time. We talk about the data all the time because that's the only thing we have as a barometer. Mm -hmm. But we feel it more tactilely in, in real life every single day with what we feel and what we see. Your gut instincts on these things, you might not be an economist, but you're probably fucking right. Mm-hmm. If you feel like things are getting tighter, it's because they are. If you feel like the world around you has got a lot of risks and red flags, and there's a lot of steam coming out of this really pressurized engine that we call life, it's because it's actually happening. Don't let these articles tell you that, oh, there's a possibility of this or a possibility of that, or this may happen, this might not happen. This is happening. Right. And that that's just my tactile life experience. And I, I see more people's financial position than most people that I think I know. Just because I see the, the volume of deals that I see, and I can tell you, this is impacting everybody: wealthy, poor, you know, upper class, middle class, upper middle, lower, whatever you want to identify with. This is affecting everyone. It almost feels like the, you know they're letting the system fail them, 
or the Fed has just been very, very, and now look, I'm not defending the Fed. I just, I'm trying to get both sides. They've been very, very clear that they need this to happen. They want this to happen. I don't think they've been as honest because look, so we haven't talked about this in the show, but the National Association of Realtors, yes, the Mortgage Bankers Association, and the National Association of Home Builders put a letter together, one single an, letter. I put an article in here, Odin. You might as well plug it here. Okay. Yeah. They put they put a single letter together, and the trade organizations that that they represent basically told the Fed. They asked the Fed for two things: send it directly to Jerome Powell. Uh, thing number one is no more Fed interest rate increases. And thing number two was to hold rates until such time as. But know, why? I thought values were going up. Value stabilized. Yeah. I mean, these are the same groups who vis-a-vis -vis their economists and chief economists were telling people and their trade, everybody in their trade. And you were seeing this regurgitated on social media, regurgitated on the Internet. You were seeing paid articles. And this is where people don't understand the magnitude of the lobbying power of these groups that they have. Right. It's as simple as. If I'm the National Association of Realtors, which arguably, and again, I'm a realtor, one of the most corrupt, self-interested organizations in fucking history. Okay, I'm just going to call it what it is. All right? They, they make some really questionable choices, and their motivation is clear. They want to keep their commissions up on homes that values are going up on. So all of the rhetoric they put out is, is spun on that, and not all of it is direct. It's not as simple as, hey... We think this based on our data. It's, oh, by the way, let's push our data out there and have Business Insider or CNBC or somebody else pick it up and run an article based on what we think as a trade organization. You go, oh, this is a non-biased article. And you have no idea the whole time it's really bent towards benefiting the people of their trade. Not to mention these groups go out to D.C. and they lobby. These same three organizations, the Mortgage Bankers Association, National Association of Realtors, National Association of Home Builders, they get paid on the selling of homes. And the higher the homes are in their value, the more they get paid. A loan officer really doesn't care whether you buy up or buy down your rate. They might get a rebate or something like that on, on the interest rate portion of it. But generally speaking, they're getting paid a percentage based on your loan amount, which is higher if you have a higher property value. Right. Realtors, same thing. Two, three uh, percent you know, per side based on the value of the property. Home builders get paid on the value of the property. The benefit to all three of these organizations is the values stay high. So, of course, everything they pitch, number one, what do you do? You do damage control. You convince all the people in your trade group who pay you dues that values are going to go up, things are going to be great, everything's going to be Gucci, get out there, keep your riz up, Look at you. you know, Look and, at like, you. do your thing, right? Go off, king. Yeah. And then they all regurgitate, no, you guys don't know what you're talking about, this is just fake news, because that's a big thing, is the news is always fake now, Right. So they challenge everybody on social media who disagrees with their trade group because this economist, Lawrence Yoon from the National Association of Realtors, came out and he said this, and he has access to all this data. He wouldn't lie to me. I'm part of his trade group. They want you to keep paying your dues. This is a billion-dollar thing for them. Okay? So what do they do? They give you all this gumdrops and lollipops, and then now, now they're going to pivot and say, hey, Fed, don't do this anymore. You're going to crash home values. Spoiler alert, kids. Guess what? Guess what? They're trying to crash home values. <laughs> Guess what Jerome Powell doesn't care about? The opinion of the National Association of Home Builders, the Mortgage Bankers Association, or the NAR. Yeah. I'm, I guarantee you he literally felt a great swell of irritation in his stomach when he got the letter. And he was probably very much bothered by it. And the irritable bowel syndrome crept up. Hey, he got a sweaty brow. And then he went to the bathroom and wiped his ass with it. Hey, do you think Lawrence Yoon like, tried calling him and he didn't? And Jerome Powell got it. He screamed. He's like, not answering. 
Lawrence Union looked over at someone at the National Association of Homebuilders, like, hey, you try calling him. <laughs> and then he tries, like, Man, he's not answering my calls either. Yeah. It's like, fuck, um, we, fuck, we got to write him a letter. Dude, it would have been great if they just took a picture of it and posted on Insta. Yeah. In- yeah. Instagram. <laughs> oh, their new, their new Instagram? Yeah. 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 <laughs> LOL. <laughs> <laughs> tag, tor- tag Lawrence June. <laughs> Jerome Powell looking over at Neil like, that's cute. Yeah. That's, that's cute. <laughs> you, think, oh, shit. you think Drake's bothered by the opinion of somebody on the, on a, on the podcast? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I don't care. What makes you think Jerome Powell gives a shit? Um. Dude, what scares me or what worries me is we've all been, you know, taught or made to believe into this American dream, the American dream of buying a home, right? Yeah. And, you know, everyone, I think, or a lot of people aspire to have that someday, too. Well, because life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, when the way that was originally written, pursuit of happiness meant ownership of property. Right. That was the American dream. So, I mean, I hate to say this, but values have gone up 40% since the pandemic. Fuck, man, that's crazy. 40%. We're, we've been talking about, we see projections of, you know, it correcting somewhere between 10 to 15%. Even if it does that, and it only does 10 to 15%, and then it starts to pick back up from there again, wages aren't going to correct themselves to help people now then catch up. Mm-hmm. So I feel like eventually over the course of the next five to 10 years, the, the American dream is going to change, man. The idea behind it. So there are some scenarios where it has to change or home values come down. The middle class gets effectively eviscerated eventually at this at this cadence because you just have generations that aren't going to be able to buy. I, there there are a lot of problems. And I hate to say this, but home values and rents, rent and rent equivalent, for those of you who follow the vernacular that goes in line with the inflation predictions, those are the linchpin to wealth and prosperity in this country. They just are. It, take it for what it is. Mm. And there's lots of businesses that, frankly, take advantage of, of that to their own financial benefit, which is fine. Like, I'm not judging. I'm not a. I'm not anti-landlord. I'm a landlord. I get it. Right. You know, I'm not anti, you know, wealth creation. I'm not saying the top 1% or the, you know, tax the rich and all that other bullshit. What I am saying is, is everybody should have a fair shot. Right now, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. You don't have a fair shot. No. So why do they keep building? I mean, if home prices continue to go up, people can't afford it. Interest rates are too high. Why do they keep building new homes? I know a few episodes ago we talked about the rise of apartment complexes being built. Mm-hmm. That's a different thing. But so new homes, to answer your question, that's an easy one. If you want to buy a property, it's so competitive or it had been for so long that if you went to a home builder, you can get on a waiting list, get a property allocated to you, pay a relatively fixed price, and it'd be almost painless. But you had to wait. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't want to do that, or there wasn't new building in their areas. If you're like in a major metropolitan area, there's not a lot of new property there. So a lot of these properties were built in the Midwest. So there's plenty of land. Now, keep in mind, your typical construction loan, if you're building for a single property, usually single family, that's a high-end property, a little bit longer— but most of these people are going to large developers who are building developed tracks, track homes, right? Right. Like that's what I did, um, the, the my first house that I bought. Right. But that was like an 18 to 24 month development period for the entire build out, right? Exactly. So these properties that were financed 18, a year and a half to two years ago, are coming to the market because they had access to low capital then that are now being funded in the market. What you'll see 18 to 24 months from now is almost no construction. Yeah, because right now we actually know that housing starts. So this is actually something that gets tracked is that, you know, when when construction companies break ground, 
right? And they get their permitting, housing permits and housing starts. That's actually down, meaning that construction companies that build out these residential areas, they've effectively slowed their entire business down because it's just not cost effective for them right now to continue to build. Exactly. So therein lies part of the problem. The other, now, speaking on the apartment side, people can people are still renting because they can't buy. So if a, the majority of Americans cannot buy their first home, they're going to rent. Now, the question is, can you continue to build these high-end luxury apartment buildings? And the answer is no, because guess what? Now people are strapped financially. You, you got unprecedented credit card debt, unprecedented auto debt, unprecedented student loan repayment that people were shocked with now. They're working from home, making less money. Inflation is taking a bigger chunk out of it. They're going to say, you know what? I need to live somewhere, but I don't need to live in some place with granite countertops. I can go to a tile countertop and not pay for the amenities here. Right. Or I feel like people will be, you know, slowly in areas like in California, they'll eventually start accepting the fact that maybe I can't afford to buy a home anymore. So they'll go buy a condo somewhere that doesn't have a yard and maybe, you know, pay an association fee to have, you know, you know, some nice common area living. So eventually that's going to change. All right, let's skip it to the next one. We're getting a little long in the tooth, and there's a lot I want to cover tonight. You're getting long in the tooth. You know, I am getting old. So, again, from the Kobayashi letter, auto loan interest rates are now at their highest since 2008. Meanwhile, the auto loan serious delinquency rates are now at 2008 levels. Mm. Not approaching. They are currently at had, 2008 I levels. I put a chart in there, too, so if you want to pull it up after this, Odin. Uh, the average interest rate on a new car loan has nearly doubled in just over one year. The median payment on a new car just hit a record $740 a month. The median, $740 a month. That's wild. As rates continue to rise, expect auto loan delinquency rates to follow. Simply buying a car has never been more expensive than it is right now. Mm. So, and if you look at this chart, uh, it's it's pretty fucking clear. <laughs> Jesus, man, that you you are at 2008 levels and approaching higher than 2008 levels on auto debt. Now, look at this chart that I also I also pulled in. This is from the New York Fed Consumer Credit Panel, also and from uh, Equifax. You got your auto loans and your credit card delinquencies. Look, spiking back up again, mm -hmm. approaching that 2008 level, and your your mortgages are on a slight incline. And student loan payments, well, they haven't necessarily kicked in, but that will. Because they haven't been paying them. They haven't been They've paying been them. They've been under forbearance. There's so this, 40, this, chart, there's, this chart's a liar, goddammit. There's 40 million uh, uh, student loan uh, payments that are, are coming back online. Yeah. 20 million of them have not been making payments over the last three years. Yeah. 20 million. Half. Yeah. Guess what's going to happen? There's going to be some delinquencies. There's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I expect that to be a big problem. You'll see more about that. And it takes about a quarter. So first payment was due in October. So October, November, December. So you'll hear more about it in January. Yeah, Q1 Delin of next year. Yeah, January. All right. So been dying to get to this. How this 77-year-old widow lost $661,000 in a common tech scam. I realized I had been defrauded of everything. God, Marjorie. Marjorie Bloom, a retired civil servant, was the victim of a tech support scam in 2021. Criminals use cryptocurrency to carry out the fraud. And before you say, oh, shit, the crypto, she should have known better, the fucking crypto. There's a big disconnect in the first part of this sentence, the tech support scam. It used to be a Nigerian prince would email you or you'd get some weird text message. Even now you're getting weird ass WhatsApp messages unless you're in sex talk and that's just standard for you. Most of us are not trying to buy luxury goods, but you might be getting some of those. Yeah. The scams are coming all 
all out of the, the woodwork. And that happens during economies like this. That's a very common thing. When times get financially tough, people do desperate shit. So Bloom, now 77, lost her life savings of $661,000 because somebody physically called her in a scam. Now, I've seen, because on, on the banking side, we see this from the fraud detection, and we see how some of the scams work. Uh, this scam is, is shocking because people will call you with some of your information because they've stolen some of your information they would usually normally stole to use to steal your identity, and they use it back to you to earn your trust and then ultimately scam you. It's compelling. It's really, really sad, man. So you, you did you read the article? I did read the article. You want, you want to give me the highlight reel? No, no, no I, I mean, what I, what I really wanted to do is dive into how can we help people prevent this from happening to not just them. Maybe some of our listeners are a little bit more aware, a little bit more cautious, but we all got family members, man. You know, and sometimes these our family members take action without without letting us know. You know, okay. so the, the important thing here is to you know raise awareness to help people understand what are some preventative measures they can take to make sure this doesn't happen. Right, let me get into some some facts, and then we'll okay. we'll go from there. So, Americans sixty and older lost a combined three point one billion dollars of cyber fraud in twenty twenty two, an eighty four percent increase from just twenty twenty one. According to the FBI, losses have jumped ninefold in just five years from $342 million in 2017, FBI data shows. That's insane, man. It is insane. $342 million to $3.1 billion. Because fraud statistics are based solely on reported incidents, the true scope is likely to be far greater. People are probably so embarrassed, man. Yeah. That's fucking so, sad. So let me give you some highlight real good points to think about in the event that you feel unsafe, or you just want to have good practices. Mm -hmm. If somebody ever calls you from a financial institution and they want to talk to you about anything besides just general information, always get their callback number and call them back. And if they cannot receive an incoming call to them, hang up the phone. I would, I would take it a step further. These people are savvy. They probably know what type of monthly services you're receiving. Oh, you got pest control. I saw, you know what I mean? I'll act like I'm from pest control. They'll try to gain account information from you there. You don't tell them anything, anything. That's, that's personal information unless you hang up the phone and you call them back. And it is not uncommon. You've all seen this in experiences and probably don't know this to get calls from numbers that look like they're from your area code or look like they're from some number. It's very easy. There's actually a device these scammers have. They can type in whatever number they want you to see when they call you. Mm -hmm. So just because you're seeing a number doesn't, you cannot rely on caller ID You've got to hang up the phone and call them back at that number, and they cannot take over someone else's telephone number, generally speaking. Yeah. But before you call them back at that number, you should go to the website and verify that that number is, in fact, associated mm -hmm. with the company that's allegedly purporting to call you. I do this no matter what, even if it's the most innocent call ever. Yeah. I say, and I'm very respectful about it, hey, I appreciate the call. Thank you for letting me know. Uh, I'll give you guys a call back in about five minutes. Yeah. Uh, another great one is anytime you get any kind of email requesting information, even if it looks legitimate or from a name you know, look at the email address. So many of our emails will show you a truncated or abbreviated version of the actual email. Like a hyperlink, right? Like a hyperlink of the name. But if you actually look at the email, the email address, not just the abbreviation that you get in your inbox on your phone. If you, or hover, computer, the mouse, if you hover the, you mouse, hover the over mouse over it. And it shows you anything besides an email that is recognized by a company, you, you're getting a scam email. Right. I always, and if I get something like that, I'm never clicking that. I'm just going to go search the website myself. Delete the email yeah. nine times out of ten. It's not, well, if it's not worth anything any at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of ten, there's nothing good in that email for you to even look at anyway. 
delete the email. Yeah. Another thing I'll point to everybody else is I do not click links. I even don't click links in text messages from friends. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is I don't. Especially for me. Yeah. If never- I if I can't see a an abbreviations format on Apple, right, that pops up. Somebody sends you a link from like TikTok or Instagram or a news article. There should be a picture and abbreviation, a format that you're used to. If I can't see that on a link, I ain't clicking on shit. Yeah, especially if you're sending me a link with your green bubbles. Get out of here. Yeah, no green Get bubbles. Get out of here with your green bubbles. If it's an email and it has links in it, just so you know, third-party companies, even if it's just a subscription service that you subscribe to, they can actually tell when your email address opens that email. you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. So if you want somebody who's sending you bullshit emails to, to know that you looked at it, go ahead and look at it. But guess what? Even if you say, don't send a read, receive, whatever, blah, 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 their service providers can tell them that you looked at it. That's just a thing. So you need to be cognizant. I never click on links from, links from emails. If you send me something as a product or service, let's say you want to sell me uh, a backpack, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to go directly to your site. I'm going to cut out your entire email campaign because I don't want you to know you converted a sell or have any access. And I don't know if you're associated with the brand. I want to go to the brand's website direct and I'll mm-hmm. cut all that out. Yeah. So these are just some of the best practices that are out there. Some of the things that I do. But and if there's ever like a link under your favorite uh, podcast on like YouTube, mm. those are the ones you can trust. You really should. And if it's from the higher standard. Yeah, absolutely. And not they, the ones in the comment section, just the one under the show notes. In the show notes, yeah. The show notes are arguably some of the best links you can click on in the world. I think they're sexier if you click on they, links. They, it, it makes you sexier. That's what is it that is. what it was? That's yeah, what it was. it's been right. so long. Yeah, and Since, those those roll out in November, I think. Yeah, they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. The links. Yeah. And uh, they might take you to some place you can buy peptides. Yeah. Get blood tests. Figure oh, blood out. work done is so important. Yeah. And you got to know what's going on inside. You know what I mean? If you haven't hopped over to Transcend, you know, go over there. We, uh, we won't even, you know, don't even worry about the link right now. Just go over there, click on something, buy something, and just send an email that says, you know what, Chris said, you're welcome. Hashtag or, blessed. Or Saeed. I mean. No, just Chris. Or, you're so selfish. Yeah, I am or selfish. Haroon. No. Listen, or bab- Haroon. Or Baboon. <laughs> Yeah, imagine somebody says, hey, Baboon sent me. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the Liver King? Who's? (laughs) That guy's falling off. All right, Arun, we got a couple more articles, I think, right? Is that it? (laughs) No, we just have, we just got to tease the next one. Is that it? Go Caroline, right? Woo, the juice. (laughs) Can you imagine being on trial (laughs) for all this kind of fraud? Oh, God. And your ex-girlfriend is testifying against you? Yeah, this is TMI. First of all, I don't. Oh, I don't even want to get into the whole like aesthetics of the idea of these two really fucked up looking humans having sex is a weird thing. But apparently, according to Carolyn Ellison, he was very concerned about his image. And at least he acknowledges that he looks fucking weird. At least he knew. Yeah. You know, but he I was just, aware. Yeah. I just see these two getting dressed up in cosplay and, and that's the way they did this. This guy, man. Because but OK, so here's 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 the thing. Okay? She's getting worse. She, how in the, the court art artist who's drawing this shit. Like, he has no love for these people. Yeah. He's made both of them look like nasty trolls, man. <laughs> I swear. But like, the, the, he's like, this is a real smear campaign. The, court is, the court's artist who did this is like, fuck this bitch, I'm going to fuck her. <laughs> like, he's, whoever it is does not like her yeah, very much. Just... These are not flattering images of her. So And, and him, for that matter. It, it is interesting to see some of the stuff that's come out in this trial. And if you, if you haven't seen the highlight reel, mm-hmm. it is shocking. that Just among some of the top things that I can think of off the top of my head, they tried to manipulate the price of Bitcoin down. Mm-hmm. They were going to sell some... Not weird, try, they did. They did, well, they did yeah. yeah. Below $20,000 uh, a coin. And we'll they, get, we're going to get into this, because this deserves a much lengthier oh, discussion. We're doing a full show on this. That, yeah. That's going to happen. In her testimony, she also said things like... Uh, 
they were going to get the Saudi royal family to bail them out. (laughs) We need some help. How arrogant are you? (laughs) This is the same family who arguably killed that that, uh, journalist, dismembered his body. Yeah, yeah, in Turkey, right? Yeah, Yeah, and and, and dismembered his body, and no one ever heard or saw him from again. And these two (laughs) jackasses are like, maybe we can get them to loan us some coin. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make this shit up, man. She also said she had a Google Doc. That has had a subcategory labeled things. Yeah. Sam is freaking out about. One item was ra- raising from, from MBS, the Saudi royal family. Right. Somebody somebody had sent me something too. Let me see if I let's see if I can find this. There was that other guy that was also testifying um against against him, right? And what his and how much he knew in Alameda research. Yeah. I think it was they, the IT guy. Yeah, the IT guy. And they 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 asked him like um what uh d- how much of this were you aware of? were you aware of this and his response on on the stand i am now yeah well i am now shit <laughs> yeah no way you don't say they asked they asked him about bankruptcy or like laws or something like that in, in, these guys both both of them just rolled on their boy so it is um it makes me question would you ever roll on me if we ever went down this path 100 percent, yes yeah, well, me too i'm glad yeah. they were that honest yeah, with each I would, other i would roll on you in a heartbeat yeah <laughs> no questions asked y'all want to know what Saeed said in the last episode we couldn't air <laughs> <laughs> i guess we'll never know, <laughs> never know. oh shit <laughs> i think i think we'll call it on that one <laughs> Oh, dude, you got anything? Oh, well, before we go, look, we will do a full breakdown. That this this trial is too good not to share, especially because Saeed hates all the crypto bros. But now they're all no. I up got and- a lot of love and respect for them. Some they're really good people. The ones, especially the ones that hurt people, <laughs> I love those. They're, they're, they're my bros. <laughs> got handshakes. Yeah, she's going to jail too. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, she's going to jail too. She's probably tired to take a plea, but. Yeah, she, she's going to jail. She looks like she's already in jail. Honestly. She already knows. She knows how this ends. Look at yeah, that. Yeah. Who got this? Who got their camera in there for that photo? And and why is she making that face? She's trying to cover her body up. Is her nose actually crooked? <laughs> I mean, who told her to wear those glasses? No, those. She's always worn those glasses. Th- yeah. Those same glasses. Yeah, she's always had like a Harry Potter vibe going on. Yeah, man. I don't. Yeah. Harry, hello, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Odin, you got anything for that's us? That's an episode. Uh yeah, actually, I did. Remember, we were talking about this before. Uh... Oh, that's right. Odun brought this up. So Odun's favorite game to play on long car rides is what would you do if you won the lottery? That's your favorite game to play? No, that and um, what? what is the other one? Drafting, like, NBA. <laughs> Sports. Or was it? Uh, sex talk. Oh, yeah, sex, sex talk. talk. So let me, uh, let me be clear here. The lottery uh, in some countries is identified as poor people tax. Some countries, yeah, and it, <laughs> on some podcasts too. Some some, podca- <laughs> some podcasters believe that the lottery is poor people tax. Hey, this, this, right here, tickets sold in California wins Powerball jackpot of one point seven three billion dollars. What's a Powerball jackpot? Yeah, uh, sorry, is it like power, a Powerball jackpot? I know the guy that couldn't read statistically isn't talking shit i can never statistically <laughs> yeah i, I can't yeah. ever get past the, the stats <laughs> all the stats and the derivatives and yeah, all I, that stuff use abbreviations yeah well and here's the problem so this jackass won the jackpot of 1.7 something billion dollars how much did they take home chris uh about three quarters of a billion because this the state 756.6 million dollars they took home what was the grand prize to him because the state took one billion dollars 
What the fuck kind of tax? It's the lottery. So wait, the money that people spent that was already taxed, that mm -hmm. the government got taxed, you know. Yeah, you tax from. my wages, and then I use those tax wages to buy in the lottery. Buy in the lottery, and now the government gets another billion dollars. From that. Cool. And Newsom said, you know what he said? More Thanks. than half. Newsom said, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Y'all can't eat Skittles no more, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. that You can't have that, nor Twinkies. <laughs> yeah. No Twinkies and no Skittles for you, bitch. Mario Lopez, really upset. What, what, what Skittles? Uh, I don't know. Not necessarily about the Skittles, but he's like, come on, Newsom. We got other shit that we need to be taking care of. What's, what's going on here? Facts. No cap. <laughs> yeah. Factual. Yeah. Go off, King. <laughs> come on, Mario. Damn. Same shit happened last year, too. What happened last year? Uh, was it? A $2 billion prize? $2 billion? Guy took home. Yet somehow, somehow they want to keep increasing taxes on us, bro. And that guy last, he bought a seventy-something million-dollar home, as he should. And people are like, "This motherfucker's gonna go broke tomorrow." He bought like multiple homes. It wasn't just like that one. Honestly, it's a race to see how fast I could go broke. <laughs> At that point, I'm the kind of asshole that if I ever won some shit like this, well, I would never win because I don't pay poor people tax. But mm. if I did, I wouldn't tell anybody. Like Come not, on. not a soul. Come on. But I do really obscure, fucked up shit just to fuck with people. <laughs> like what? Give like, me one. Like I would go into a restaurant and just act like an asshole for no other reason than Why? Those I are hardworking people, bro. No, no, no. Not to them. To oh. you. Oh, to me. Oh, to, <laughs> yeah. to the people you go with. No, I would tip the shit out of them. They'd be very well taken care yeah, of. You know what I'd be like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? I'd be like, I'm just happy. Bro. I would take, I would ask all my friends to go to like a nice restaurant and then have them pick up the bill too. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I don't want to name names. There's a celebrity I went to I went to dinner with once, right? And very friendly, very kind, nice guy. Yeah. Great dinner. Like, everything was normal. Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, man, um, I don't know how to say this. I forgot my wallet. Oh, my God. That's the most annoying thing. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, I, I got you, bro. No worries. Went out to dinner a second time. Stop it. Shit you not. Twice? Same thing. Intentional. It was like rehearsed. And I'm yeah. like, this motherfucker's an actor. You were adversely selected, my You're friend. You're an actor. <laughs> you were acting right now. Yeah, that's got to be so hard for them. If Like, if something comes up where they're trying to be sincere and like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I forgot to call you for, uh, you know, your mother passing. It's like, are you acting right now or are you genuinely sorry? Yeah, I've seen you cry on camera. Yeah, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, I know what you can do. You won an award. Yeah, come on, meow. Come on. And this is Hunger can't, Games. Can't fool me. Come on, Fred Savage, to be better. <laughs> it was Fred Savage. <laughs> no, come on. Wait, is Fred Savage the one from Boy Meets World, or is that the other one? Wonder Years. Wonder Years. Yeah, His yeah. brother did Boy Meets World. Ben Savage. Yeah, yeah Ben Savage. Yeah. What yeah. a name, Savage. Yeah, I know. You would think the guy would be much more buff, though, right? You got Yeah, you got to jump on some transcend, right? Yeah. Speaking of which, you should jump on some transcend. Yeah, let's go. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. We'll have a special mid-roll show announcement where we talk about all the sexy things that it's done for me all right ready no okay arun you done yes sir all right now i'm ready. trying to be so respectful i'm the one that's my job i did that already did what i asked him if he has anything left listen i know that i'm the more caring one on the show that's and not you true. are kind of uh, not so caring okay we'll let you have this very selfish because arun has to edit this he's not gonna be happy if it goes on any longer Bad enough you made him edit one with a fucked up camera last Me? time. <laughs> Bro, I announced it literally a minute into it, and you're like, oh, you're going to announce it midway Okay, through? Okay, sorry. Here, here's my problem. Number one, you're supposed to do shut it off mid-show and start again. Yeah. Mid-show is two minutes. We're one-trick ponies, bro. Two minutes is all we got. That's part of the draw, right? People know right, that they're not getting- all you can do? They nice. never get an edited show. It oh. never- Hey, Christopher. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost never. <laughs> 
Good night, everybody. Bye.